0: I'm Terry David Mulligan. This is Tasting Room Radio. There's only one subject on the plate for this edition of Tasting Room. It's the 2022 National Wine Awards of Canada. They judged close to 2,000 wines, and they're the top judges, friends. The best. Sparkling, red blends, white blends, orange, rosé, pinot gris, grigio, Sable blanc, Syrah, Riesling, Gamay, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Cider, Fruit Wines, Fortified Ice Wine, Late Harvest, Cab Sav, Cab Franc, Merlot. And then the final days were Best Performing Small Winery, Top 10 Small Wineries. And the last day, the Winery of the Year, and the Top 25 Wineries. And I asked Wineline who best to speak to this? And the answer came back, and I knew what it was going to be. Anthony Gizmonde. Gizmonde and wine, the best of food and wine a national journalist for some 33 years, I believe, for the Vancouver Sun. And, thankfully, he said yes. So the whole show is just a conversation with myself and Anthony Gizmondi about these wine awards that are the epitome of wine judging and wine recognition across this country. Extremely well done. So let's get at it. I hope you find some information here that can help and that you enjoy this edition of Tasting Room Radio. The uh, video version of this interview, by the way, can be found on the Terry David Mulligan YouTube channel. You can find all the details and the link directly to the judging awards at tastingroomradio.com, which can be found at mulliganstew.ca. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Narramatta Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots and my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block, Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. It's 11 o'clock in the morning, the morning after. The 2022 National Wine Awards of Canada were announced finally. And uh, the uh, co-founder of those awards, Anthony Gizmondi, is with me. You know him from the Vancouver Sun. His wine column, of course, we all read it. Co-host of the BC Food and Wine radio show. Is there a book coming? No time. (laughs) He's the guy we go to for... Our wines, our wine knowledge, and um, and they have just gone through the eight day boot camp uh, of the National Wine Awards, and mm-hmm. you've come out the other end. That morning after, I I know that your head is filled with all sorts of thoughts about what you just went through, but is there any one clear shining light that is speaking to you this morning, uh, just about what you went through and what you discovered?
1: Well, there's so many things. Uh... I might start just by uh, thanking, you know, the Canadian wineries that put their faith in us to to enter their wines. You know, as I I always have said, it takes a lot of guts to enter your wines into a competition. Yeah. And and especially into a serious competition and I know everybody thinks their competition is serious, but you know, we have all the players and all the wines, so there's no better benchmark. So I I think it's it's good for them. What what would I say about the wines? mostly what I've said every year and probably what everybody knows they're getting better and better. But in this case now, it's more about refinement I would say than, you know, better. And I'm really, it's, it's, it's the fine tuning in the last 10 or 15% sort of that, that uh, is, is the, that will set us apart, let's say from any other sort of commercial region that that's what we're after. We've been begging for GIs. We've been begging for, specificity in the wineries. And yeah. so I think, you know, we're, we're getting there now and that that allows us to interpret the story a little bit better.
0: I did see an article. Uh, you were pretty busy and you might've missed this. I'm sure you'll spot it. There was a nice article about, um, I think it was food and drink uh, about how, how to start to read labels in Napa Sonoma mm-hmm. uh, and how to look past the label name, the varietal, and look at where it was grown and how certain right. areas now people are buying the area. Yeah. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're, are we headed in that direction?
1: Well, yes, we are. And and with a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of resistance uh, over the ages. I can't tell you how many meetings I w- I've been in where I was told, you know, we're selling Canada, not BC, or we're selling BC, not Naramata. And I'm, you know, I have a very Simple answer to that. Well, when people get in their cars for the weekend, they don't go to BC. They don't go to the Okanagan. They go to Naramata or they go to Okanagan Falls or they go to Lake Country. Yep. They go somewhere. They have an address. They couldn't find their house or their hotel without an address. So why would you drink a wine that didn't have an address? So I'm, I've am i always been big on that because i think uh, even at Gizmondi on wine you can look at they say oh so you say canada then you say bc then you say naramata then you say the naramata bench whatever well that's the that's the trail and that's where the story starts so so i think that for sure that's coming on and of course if you add in there's a you know the other sort of controversy about what's in the wine uh you know how organic is it what what are the additives all that that's the kind of information that you know, needs to be on the labels. And by the way, I'm, I think back labels are probably the most important part of the wine and it's the most abused. And some of the worst writing in the world occurs on the back of wine. labels.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> you're looking at Somebody said to me, sitting beside me said, I don't need this story. I don't need this. Uh, flavorful. I want to know what's in the bottle. Tell me yeah. what's in the bottle.
1: Yeah. Hopefully somebody's soul. But is in actually, the bottle. It
0: Reminds me of something. And you know this well. Anthony, each one of these labels. How many bottles in total?
1: Uh, you mean the competition? Yeah. Uh, let's say nineteen hundred, nineteen hundred, something like that.
0: Every one of those bottles has a story behind it. Yeah. And a person and a story you can tell, and and you can connect it with the land and the person who made it. And in some cases, we know for a fact that uh, the character of that person is reflected in the wine. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an interesting.
1: Well, and, you know, that that weighs heavily on David, David Loris and my co-chair and I, that's what weighs the most heavily on us because that's exactly what we believe. The reason why we started the awards was we had been judging uh, for many years around the world. Sometimes I would judge for a week in Italy and I wouldn't know what I was tasting. They never told me what I was tasting and I never saw any results. So I thought that was a complete waste of my time. Yeah. Uh, and then, then, uh, there would be other situations where the wineries didn't know who was judging or who the people were. I thought it was a waste of their time. And then the consumers never got any of the info. So I didn't really know what was going on. And we, we decided when we started the nationals that they would be sort of a three pronged deal where they would be uh, great news for consumers. They'd be a, a place where wineries could benchmark and get some info where they stand, uh, and of course we would we would try and assemble the best palettes in the country always controversial but you know get people in a room and give these wines their due respect so you know it's not everybody calls it a competition but really it's a snapshot it's done once a year and if you actually followed it from 2001 you would you would just follow the progress of Canadian wine and you would see some varieties dropping off others jumping up people better wine making more interesting uh, sub zones whatever but it's it's a history of you know what we've done and most of the history of, of Canadian wine is really in the last two decades
0: I was thinking about cellard uh, do you oh you, you're calling a specific year obviously but some of the reds uh, how long have they been hanging around uh, what are the qualifications
1: well I should have all this in front of me I know the white wines go back a couple of years and the red wines I think there's a three-year there uh, window okay. right. uh, for them and if if they've already been entered, they can't be re-entered. Well, if they're in the window, they can yeah. be re-entered. But once they're outside of the window, they can't. Lots of wines are now kept at the winery over four or five years and then released. If it's their first commercial release, they're eligible to go in. But they can't go in the next year because they're outside of the window. So it's a you know it's a one-shot deal for the, the ones that they sell are longer. But we don't know how long those wines will last. So it's nice to just taste those ones once.
0: Because of your food and wine show, you know I have to take a break now. Yeah, I you know that commercial sure. break,
1: you know. Make some money.
0: <laughs> Anthony Gizmondi is our guest. Uh, we're uh, talking about the National Wine Awards. The Nationals of Canada uh, 2022 we will be right back, starting with the Platinums. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots and my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. Tasting Wim Radio, Anthony Gismondi, um, wonderful writer, Uh, and someone we always read and and get clarity from when we're talking about food and wine, Uh, co-chair of the National Wine Awards 2022. They have just finished their eight-day internment, and they've come out (laughs) better for it. All of us uh, will benefit from it. It's great reading. It's like a thriller. It's fantastic reading. I take my time over a cup of coffee to read the results. Now, um, we can't do them all, as you well know. Sure. I was thinking of doing an overview or just cutting straight to the platinums and working our way down from there. Maybe the platinums will reveal something in themselves.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good opportunity to talk about, uh, because the people say to me, oh, well, how do you, how does this top wineries of the year, how does that list composed? It's very simple. And we try to keep it, uh, we tr- we're tasters. We taste all the time, you know, at Gizmani on Wine, we score out of a hundred. We've done that for, you know, almost 40 years now. Yep. Uh, and most of the people that taste with us are associated with uh, magazines or whatever, and they're scoring out of a hundred or they're retailers and they know what a hundred point score is. So, so that's the first sort of benchmark in the tasting. You've got to get a score. We don't actually, I like to say we don't actually give out medals. We've set standards and when you achieve a score, you get a certain medal based on what the group has done that year. So so I think that, so for the platinums, we had to come up with a, a new level. We didn't have any platinums in the first 10 years to sure. be, you know, truthful and probably not till the last five years. Now the level is so high at the top that we created the platinums, which are basically 1% of the all the wines and ties. so in this case you know it's like 19 wines and then at that score level we would take all the ties so we we issued 24 platinums out of 1900 wines so that gives you an idea of of uh you know how the quality of these wines are
0: and if you read the uh, the release that's come out um and you're doing the writing on it it you you do you can get specific within those 24 for example yeah. You make the point that uh, Riesling led led a, a wonderful uh, charge here. Uh, as yeah. much as much as we love them, uh, Riesling as as uh, as judges and as wine fans, the consumer not so much. Mm. <laughs> Which you know, I I had, I had. You can only
1: beat them over the head so often, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> we love our Syrah and we love our Cab Franc. Although I would yeah. like to see more. I would like to see more Gamay in there, but Pinot Syrah. Chardonnay, we're going to see those guys. Um, yeah. Some of the names that popped up. Hindley, uh, Bordertown.
1: Yeah. Nice to see. Fantastic. And I think this is a, a true example of what blind tastings are about. The The wines are tasted blind, and so uh, everybody has an opportunity. There's no baggage at the table. You just have the, you know, you have eight glasses in front of you most of the time, and and uh, the wine has to tell its own story. So, that, that, you know, it's another, it's hard to explain the complexity oh my God. of what what we've designed. But, you know, just think of a wall. It's kind of like uh, in the, really in the old days of writing, I would say on one side was editorial and on the other side was, you know, marketing. Sure. Well, we have a back room that the judges never see and never go in. But in the back room, everything is visible. So that was another issue for me. I, I would see people tasting out of brown paper bags and if you give me a brown paper bag and show me the top of the bottle, I'll be right eight out of ten times without even looking at the wine. Sure. So, so, so we do all that stuff so that when when the wine gets out in front of that judge at the right temperature, in a small amount, in a small group that makes sense, then then the wine can really shine. And and the result is, how many times would you think that border town because they just really got going and they're you know they're down south, it's pretty warm. They got a they got a fantastic uh, turnout at the at the uh, at the competition and Heinle, which we haven't talked about since they made ice wine 35 years ago or 40 years ago, also uh, succeeded in making a wonderful Merlot. So, it's not just the ones you think it is. It's sometimes it's just the best ones.
0: Is there a subtext here that uh, of the Ontario wines that you have awarded, how many we would see on this end of the country?
1: Yeah, well, well, there's a couple of subtexts. One, uh, Ontario uh, traditionally doesn't enter as many wines as BC into the competition.
0: Because Why? We're, I don't because, know. Because we're uh, homers. You have to ask them. No, Charlie Pilateri says we're homers.
1: Yeah, well, do you want me? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> that's his response. Uh that is unbelievable that, that a Canadian winery would even say that. Like, it's just so ridiculous. It's, it's just off the charts. But but let me tell you that Ontario, uh, I think they entered 34% of the wines and got 36% of the medals. So okay. calling us homers is a bit of a losing statement okay. there. there. Uh, they also have 17,000 acres, uh, plenty more than we do. I think one of the issues with Ontario is they still have their grape marketing board, and so uh, this has really hurt the quality of their grapes. You know, there's people that control it and are making great wine, but but you know when the grape marketing board sets the price for inferior grapes, uh, that doesn't help anybody. We stopped that a long time ago, and you can see the difference in in uh, the quality of. Uh, of the grapes and what's grown, but that's another long story. So, okay. uh, Let me just say that it's kind of split like in Ontario, of course, Riesling, Cabernet Franc, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are there, you know, that's kind of their babies. Uh, And we're, I I would say we're a little more, uh, we have a little more of a deeper palate in BC, but at the moment, uh, as you can see, like Syrah was really a leader for the last few years. Sure. And it still is, but Pinot Noir has really caught up in BC. And it's caught up because we've moved north to cooler sites. We know more about the clones. Uh, we have more experience now. So you can expect Pinot Noir to really uh, surge from Vancouver Island all the way up to, to the Shuswap. So, so they had a good run. Chardonnay, uh, also a good run. Sparkling wine was a bit of a mystery to me because there was so many good ones, but there was only one platinum that came out of Ontario this year, so... Uh, just looking it at your, your page,
0: down. Uh, you can you understand why Cedar Creek uh, did as well as it did. Uh, we haven't announced that yet, but v- verbally with our lips, but Cedar Creek uh, 2019 Aspect and their Platinum 2020 Jacket Rock Syrah and the Chardonnay, yep. uh, the Block 5 Chardonnay. Uh, you need at least one Platinum to get into the race for Winery of the Year. They've got two right back to you back. You do. And, yeah. but, but what catches my eye is... Um, Fort Barron's, the Pinot Noir, yeah. 2020.
1: Fantastic. So happy for them. Working super hard. And you know, Fort Barron's, when they started out, uh, there was nothing in Lillooet So of course, they were buying a lot of fruit from the South Okanagan. Sure. People were calling them Lillooet but really the wines reminded us of the South Okanagan all the time. Well, now that they've, they have their own vineyards and they're planning to expand even more. We will see quite a development there in the Lilouette area. And this is a, a real uh, nice nod for them. I'm so happy for them because these guys actually have a plan and they're instituting it. And now they're getting results. So that that I think that's a terrific result for them.
0: And I'm very happy for Foreshadows, uh, the 2021 yeah. Riesling Classic. I mean, they were pig farmers in Alberta. They, they said, yeah. well, why, why can't we be farmers on the Naira Bench?" And they found this literally abandoned vineyard on, on Upper Bench Road and mm-hmm. turned it into this in, incredible home for Riesling.
1: Yeah, Well, uh, you know, these platinum metals are, are, people should try and explain. I've already got a note saying I can't find half of these wines. You know, I I have to say that I am incapable of shopping for every Canadian who's looking for wine. (laughs) I've told you a million times, you know, you got to start at the winery. Uh, You can either order it direct, if that doesn't work for you, you phone the winery and say, I want to buy your wine, I live in this city, where can I buy it? Put the pressure on them, don't put the pressure on me, I can't keep track of 2,000 wines. So, these wines are out there, some are only wine club, uh, some are only in retail, some are only in restaurants, but that's not our job when we judge them. So, you know, good luck finding them, and enjoy the ones you find, That's that's what I say.
0: It's break time. Uh, Anthony Gizmondi is our guest. I'm Terry David Mulligan. This is Tasting Room Radio. When when we come back, we're going to be talking about the best small winery in Canada. Actually, there's a list. We'll be right back. Okay. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. Take the guesswork out of Valentine's Day and reserve now for a relaxed, romantic evening at Unsworth Restaurant featuring a debut dinner event menu by Chef Dan Bain. It's a three-day event, Saturday the 11th, Sunday the 12th, and Tuesday the 14th. All the details and the menu can be found at unsworthvineyards.com. This is Tasting Room Radio. Anthony Gizmondi is my guest, and we are, he's taking us through, God bless him, uh, the National Wine Awards of Canada 2022. Uh, almost 2,000 wines were in this competition. Um, and Wine Line just did an incredible job. It, it's such a professional all round, from top to bottom. It just, I mean, if you make this list, if you're part of this competition, you're, mm-hmm. you're being judged properly and fairly at the top level. I'm just so impressed with this. Um, I've got to tell you that and pass that on. Um, well, thanks.
1: Well, that's the goal. And uh, you know, it's, I, I can't, I, it's not like i <clears throat> I really don't even want to talk too much about what we do. Cause it's not about us. It's about the wines, but you know, we just try to, try to be fair and and see what happens. And and believe me, it's like, if you looked at a picture of yourself, Terry, 20 years ago and today, and you had one every year, you take out that snapshot, things change, you know, that's the (laughs) way life is. And people, they get so bent out of shape that their favorite little boutique winery, you know, finished 12th instead of eighth. Well, they're all pretty close. And uh, we come back to our roots. Our roots are tasting wine and scoring wine. So when you look at the there's a total number for each winery we're going to talk about these small wineries so if you get a 91 we round up for the public but if you get 91.6 for your gold yeah and and your neighbor gets 91.8 he's higher than you or she's higher than you and and then the golds get a you know there's a multiplier based on how many golds are out there so if like, let's say the Platinums, that's a good example. There's only 24 of them. So they're worth a lot. If you can get one, it's worth a lot. And that's why getting a Platinum helps you get into the top 25, because it it shows that you've, you've broken through.
0: By the way, and, dear listener, yeah. by the way, this is not a dash. This isn't even four laps around a field. This yeah. is a marathon. And you can't yeah. believe how dark it gets in there about halfway yeah. through when you realize you still have four more days to go.
1: Yeah. I love it though. It's, you know, five days and you're following the first day, the second day. We taste all of the wines over the first three days. And then we bring back about, I want to say, depends on the category, but 25 to 30% of the wines return for the final round. That's a really tough thing uh, that Dave and I, the cutoff for that. And you can imagine so you you scored say 89.48 and you're not getting into the 89.50 it sounds you know it sounds like that's not possible but you know when you score wines and there is a difference in the wine so that's the way we have to that's the way it goes so you know it's not a perfect science but we have a we have a nice blend of science and know-how and then what's happening in the glass and i think that's you know, people write about competitions. It's all bullshit. Well, fine. You know, you say what you want. I'm in that room. I see what happens for five days and we watch the progression. And then that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And this is the, the most important thing I say to the judges is when I go in, when I go into a winery six months from now and they open a gold medal wine, I said, that wine better be bloody good because we've told people it is and we expect it to be. So that's, you know, they have this pressure too, that it's kind of like a port producer, you know? Uh, as I say, you, you declare a vintage port because it's supposed to last 35 years. So it better last 35 yeah. years. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, small wineries, we should talk a little bit about them. First of all, under 10,000 cases, we never had okay. this award before. Okay, and And I thought at the time when we started, well, you know, we just don't have enough goodness to spread things around. But by about the, you know, by about 2010 or so, a lot of smaller wineries are saying well we can't compete with the big guys and this and that of course they're wrong because it's only their top 5 wines but we said okay let's do uh, people under 10,000 cases maybe they have a little less resources less money less info i don't really believe any of that anymore but anyway the it's been set so this year uh you know we had a look at the best small wineries and and number 1 was spearhead winery which i'm really excited about their wines were, they're so electric. They just sort of jumped off the page at the, at the competition. And, uh, well, you know, Grant Stanley, he's he's a, character. hes a character. And his wines are characterful, you know. And he followed his muse. Yeah. He could have had a cushy whatever. He could just
0: keep working up the corporate ladder. And he decided yep. that he was going to throw in with Spearhead.
1: Yeah. His Coyote uh, Vineyard Pinot Noir, outstanding. Even his Botrytis affected late harvest Riesling. So there's a lot, you know, there's a nice mix there. Uh, and I, and his Pinot Gris, which I've always loved the golden retreat. It's so great to see these wines get, get their due in a blind tasting, especially like a Pinot Gris where, you know, 10 years ago, the judges would want to leave the room before tasting another Pinot Gris. So, That's our, all changed. so
0: those, those troublemakers at Frenze are there. Number two, number three is Fort yeah. Barons. There you go. Well,
1: La, yeah, La friends you know, they won last year, so they are in second this year. That's what we love is the consistency. Sure. They got a lot of medals, but their top five were just below the top five from Spearhead. Of course, Fort Barons. We talked about Hidden Bench, which is a sensational Ontario winery. Which lets me uh, lets me say something. You know what? You can buy any of these wines from Ontario wineries. Just get online and buy them. There you go. The problem is, no one in Ontario can buy our wines. Yeah. This is and this hasn't changed. This is a national disgrace. And I dump it on the on, on uh, the provincial monopolies, the provincial government, the federal government, and anybody else uh, at the top it, it, uh, that's, you know, lobbying yeah. for it, whatever, some protection. Just so we can't buy mind. their wines, but they can buy ours. Yeah. Nasty. Painted Rock. A, a, a Painted far, Rock was actually, way, farm, John was one of the guys who, a, who wanted to have a small winery uh, designation. So he's been farm, in there in we're Meijer. We're talking
0: about a farm product here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Meyer has been the most consistent. I think they they've been you uh, know uh, in the top 10 every year since we started it. And of course, they're making fantastic uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay down in Okanagan Falls. They got their own sub GI now. How oh, about that, uh, man? Lot, yeah, yeah, lots going on That's there. One
0: after the other, Painted Rock Meyer and Sakremesh yeah. uh, all Okanagan Falls.
1: Yeah. There'll be a party there, there today. Ben Weston. Van <laughs> Weston, you know, th- that that is such a nice thing to see for him on the Naramata bench. And you know, he hosted the judges probably 10 or 12 years ago. We had a tasting at his winery. Yes, you did. Most of the judges never heard of Naramata and never heard of Van Weston. And uh, so these kind of evenings during the events really sort of change the change the message for wineries and, and writers and uh, consumers.
0: Our third break is right now because when we come back, we're going to talk about the winery of the year and just a a wrap-up of sorts and let the man get on with his life. Anthony Mm -hmm. Gismondi is our guest. We are honored to have him here. And this is Tasting Room Radio. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. Take the guesswork out of Valentine's Day and reserve now for a relaxed, romantic evening at Unsworth Restaurant. Featuring a debut dinner event menu by Chef Dan Bain. It's a three-day event, Saturday the 11th, Sunday the 12th, and Tuesday the 14th. All the details and the menu can be found at unsworthvineyards.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mooncursor Wines in a Soyuz. From January 3rd to April the 27th, Monday to Friday, 10 to 5, it's sales only at the winery. Uh, just one last thought. Wasn't this the year you were going to join the wine club at Mooncursor? Just give them a call at the winery, or you can find all the details about the winter hours at Mooncursor.com. We come to the fourth and final segment of Tasty Room Radio on this uh, special occasion. Uh, trying to, without Talking about 1,500 to 2,000 bottles of wine. It's the National Wine Awards of Canada 2022, just giving you some highlights. It's great reading, my friends. Just go to this website and find Wine Align um, because uh, it's just every, we will all have ties to certain categories and and labels and areas. Um, We come to the winery of the year, adjudged on a point system.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, it's it's judged on their. They had the top five highest scoring wines. So when you add those all up, uh, so so they had two platinums and three golds, you know, just to put it in perspective, probably 10 years ago, if you had two golds and three silvers, you'd be in the running for the top winery of the year. In the last five years, uh, you had to have at least five golds to make it in. And now in the last two or three years, you've got to get a platinum or two. Uh, as, lo- as well as the golds to uh, be considered at the top but you know the top the top 25 are impressive the top 5 there's there's you know there's usually not a lot to choose between them they just missed that second platinum or they just missed that high gold uh, so the list is valid uh, you know quite a ways down but cedar creeks done a great job as you know they've been uh, they've been under renovation and change for almost 5 years so they've built all this this structure they started in the vineyards then they redid the winery. And then, of course, now they've redone all their reception areas and restaurant and all that. But the important stuff was done early and we see the results now. Yep. And they're very focused on on telling the story of the North Okanagan for cool climate wines. And uh, they, they had a hell of a show. Last uh, time, I'm very last, happy for them and Taylor.
0: Last time I went through, uh, I can remember seeing lots of vessels, different vessels. They were fooling around with clay and concrete. And, yeah. You know, uh, and... They that want they want that to take them somewhere. They have to start at a certain level, but I mean, yep. they, and let's face it, as a destination, with home block, whoa, outstanding,
1: whoa, yeah. oh That's yeah, fun. and it, uh, you know, people say that 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 remark you made earlier about homers and et cetera. Like I've been in thousands of wineries, and you know what? There, there, there's not ten or twelve that are at the same level as Cedar Creek or Mission Hill when you sure. visit them. These sure. are incredible. Uh, places that we have for people to uh, to visit and to enjoy wine so so that's one thing but you know they went organic uh kirk simchik does a fantastic job for them they now have uh you know animal husbandry you go up there in the vineyards and there's animals walking around and chickens and this is a this is a sea change like if, if the rest of of the province of british columbia was as intent on, uh, you know, doing this kind of work to save the planet, save themselves, and to eat and drink better. We, we'd be so much better off. So the wine industry has done a great job. Uh, and, of course, Anthony von Mandel leading his troops uh, to really change the way that we think about wine, to, to, to make it more cultural, you know? Maybe we'll get rid of the scores soon. I'll be happy. I'm happy to get rid of the scores. But, you know, we we, we got to get there first.
0: But the system works.
1: Yeah, it sure works.
0: Well, you'd call but,
1: it. I mean, if it wasn't working, you'd call it. You wouldn't you wouldn't let anybody. Yeah, I mean there's uh, there's a lot of things I'd still do if if I was in charge, but you know, people have to people have to live and uh, the thing about wine is it's a journey and it's a long-term uh, project. You can't nothing happens in a year or two. Uh, it's generational, uh, and we see now that we know now why families like Antonori, 26 uh, 26 generations 27 generations how is that even possible but (laughs) we see the results of that because of the passed down knowledge and and what we're seeing now is this passing down of knowledge if you think about harry mcwatter's first sparkling wine way back when at sumac ridge that knowledge is now been passed down for for nearly 40 years. And, and so a lot of things have changed. A lot of young people making great sparkling wine. Actually, I'm, I made a note and you
0: commented on it uh, in your in your writing uh, under the Platinums. Uh, it was kind of surprising that there weren't more, because it's a great bubble movement going on. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I think it was just the one, wasn't there it?
1: There was just the one. But, you know, the thing about bubble is that the standard is so high. I mean, the standard is champagne, <laughs> And for most judges, the standard is is uh, and you know I don't want to put words in their mouth, but if you're drinking Blanc de Blanc champagne or some of the greatest sparkling wines in the world, that's a super high standard. Yeah. And uh, so some years were up and down. You know, that it's not an easy wine to make, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's it's a combination of blending vintages, and we've had we've had a couple of off vintages in the middle. Ontario had some great vintages while we were off, so I I don't really know what that story is, but you know, I w- I've been tasting this week. I just had the, the, the latest blue mountain wine and it's, it's incredible. Again, it's, it's such a sensational wine. They're, they're regular everyday brute. So uh I, I don't know. We'll see next year. Like last year, we had a lot of them in there. So it's just up and down.
0: You did touch on something there and that was under the platinums. I think you were, you were doing the writing that um yes. Uh, some of these uh, platinums are 40, 50, $60, but there's a yeah. couple in there that are 14, Uh, under $20.
1: Yeah. Well, that's another, that's blind tasting too. You know, obviously there's some people who want to drink hundred dollar wine because they want to be seen drinking it. There's some people who think their wine's worth a hundred dollars because that's the way they think. And then there's great wine out there. That's always uh, available at a far lower price. You just have to open your eyes or in this case, Close your eyes and taste blind. So we're happy for that. And we'll do, I will do in probably if I get it sometime next month, because I have the ability now, I can, I'll probably issue a list of the best value wines at the National Wine Awards based on their medal score and price. And that'll be an interesting list too. So, you know, even $60, can you buy the best wine in Napa for 60 bucks? I don't think so. I think it's more like 700 in bordeaux it's more like 1500 and in burgundy it's now in the thousands so when when you can buy the best pinot noir in bc which wouldn't embarrass itself in a tasting with other global ones for for 45 or 50 dollars that's a that's a pretty good deal for consumers
0: and how did the wildly uh, popular rosé show up this year
1: uh, pretty good I'm going to tell you something though we're going to change the way we taste next year cuz we learn all uh, you know we are so happy to get the rosés and then everybody you know rosé all day let's taste the rosés and 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 they're quite good two things are happening with rosé color so more pale is getting higher scores yeah less sugar obviously getting higher scores with the judges yeah and uh, that's not so much with consumers you like a little bump of residual I think as well But the biggest thing we're going to change is that uh, normally when you say you're tasting Chardonnay or Pinot Noir, we tell the judges this is a Chardonnay flight or a Cabernet flight or whatever. That's all they know. But in Rosé, they're told the variety because that's the way the system was set up. It would just show you Chardonnay 10 times. But if you're tasting Rosé, you might see Pinot Noir, Syrah, whatever. So we think that we think we'll get even more interesting results if we remove that piece of information. Think about it yourself, Terry, if you're tasting five Rosé and you don't know what grapes they are, it might change the way you think about those wines. So, but, Um, uh, there, the quality there, like, let's just say if it was, if it was on a scale of four or five, 10 years ago, it's easily uh, eight now. So everything's better.
0: He is uh, the man to read in the Vancouver sun, uh, He is the publisher of Gizmondi on Wine, the co-chair of the National Wine Awards that we've been talking about 2022, the co-host of BC Food and Wine Radio. Uh, Between all of those elements, you can get another side of this story in this man. Uh, I hope whatever uh, um, the the rest of summer is like for you uh, involves doing nothing. (laughs)
1: well I'm so happy the awards are over but you know the next ones are in BC next June and we're already you know planning so they never stop thank you for your time Terry thanks so much and to your listeners uh, drink a bit of wine and relax
0: be a homer
1: (laughs) yeah be a homer
0: this segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mooncourcer Wines in a Soyuz from January 3rd to April the 27th, Monday to Friday, 10 to 5, it's sales only at the winery. Uh, just one last thought. Wasn't this the year you were going to join the wine club at Mooncursor? Just give them a call at the winery, or you can find all the details about the winter hours at mooncursor.com.